so for basically for the next couple of weeks, uh, what I want us to talk about is uh, the culture. Just somebody say culture. The culture that we desire to see here at Celebration Life. Now, the word culture simply means this. It's, it's the way a group of people do life. It's the way a group, a group of people do life. Now, to kind of give you maybe a quick example of that, uh, I am personally finding out very quickly that the culture of Maine is way different than the southern culture I grew up in. Yes? Yesterday was the first time I ever had a lobster roll. I liked it. So, li- listen, so, you know, when I lived in South Louisiana, you know, Cajun country, um, you, you know, that, that I, don't, I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but, you know, you go there, you eat, you, you know, you eat crawfish, you eat alligator, uh, you know, you eat uh, gumbo, etouffee, you eat uh, boudin, uh, you know, you eat some really, really, really good food, all right? So, and everybody talks, obviously, in a French accent, it, it's kind of crazy. When I moved there, I felt like I was moving to a different country. And then when I come up here, you know, obviously all you guys talk really funny. I have never heard the word car pronounced ka, and, uh, and, and it's a harbor, not a hava. Anyway, so, anyway, you know, we'll work with you. But listen, it, it's the bottom line is, is uh, every geographical location has its culture that defines it. Do we all agree with that? Okay, and so does every church. Same way a geographical location, doesn't matter if it's Maine, if it's Alabama, where they serve great fried chicken, and they actually know how to serve tea. It's called sweet tea. Um, you, come on, somebody. So, help me, Jesus, all right? So, we already had that. So, anyway, so we, um, y'all won. All right, we admit it. All right, we lost. I about gave a history lesson really quick there about Joshua Chamberlain, but I won't. Anyways, so, um, listen, so just as every geographical location has its culture that defines it, so does every church. And maybe put it a different way, every church culture has its values uh, that define its personality and its purpose. So those values that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks, that's what really tells us what's important. Make sense? In other words, we as a congregation, as a body, we have to know where we're going. Right? We've got to be intentional with that. So uh, today I just want to take a few minutes and talk about the, uh, one of the values that we desire to see in the culture here at Celebration Life. And I have to be honest with you up front. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a value that I hope that all of you guys uh, really embrace in your hearts. And, and that value is this, is that we want to see the value or a culture of community. Can somebody say community? community. Now, community is uh, the Greek word, and I'm going to give it to you in Alabama terms. It's, uh, the Greek word is koinia. Okay? And uh, so the, the Greek word for community is koinia. It's also where we get our words fellowship from and also where we get, where we get communion from. Okay, it's the same Greek word. Another word that's found in that which really uh, uh, you know, captures what community is, and this is what I want us to see today, is it's simply this. It's to partner. Can somebody say to partner? So when we're talking about today, you know, talking about the culture that we desire to see, it's one of community. And what kind of community we want to see is that it's one that we partner uh, with each other, that we do life with one another. Now, now listen, yesterday we went to an amazing cookout. Right. So these two guys over here did an unbelievable job. And if you haven't yet, please tell them thank you. And if you missed it yesterday, that's your own fault. okay? because it was great food and a great time of fellowship. And uh, I personally really, really, really enjoyed it. In fact, I wish I would have just brought my I did have my hammock. I had it in the car. I should have just hung it up by a tree and just 
went to sleep because it was that awesome. You know, listen to the band play. You know, it's pretty crazy. Thursday it rained, Friday it was nasty, and yesterday it was beautiful. You know, so anyway, so tell those guys because they did an awesome job, right? So. Y'all better stop it. You're making Mr. Lindley feel weird. All right, here we go. <laughs> so, so listen, um, so obviously yesterday, that was part of what I'm talking about. But that's not all of it. That's part of it. But listen, it's what flows out of that, of us being together and doing life together. That's really what I want to talk about today. So if you've got your Bible, once again, turn to Luke 5. If you don't have your Bible, shame on you. Okay? That's like going out of the house without underwear on. You, you need your Bible. All right? Help me, Jesus. All right, so Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. You got to remember, I hung out with young people the last 18 years. Y'all, y'all can't get, expect me to get re, re, you know, redefined or refined in a month. All right, here we go. All right, so Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It's a very uh, familiar passage. I'm actually going to read 11 verses. Um, you can read along. Here we go. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him, so I'm at Jesus, to hear the word of God, uh, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, verse 2, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. We know that's also Peter. It says, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. So get the picture. So here's Jesus, basically, if you can imagine that there's a multitude of people that have come to hear him, and they've pressed about him so much, he's almost backed his way up to the lake, and he decides to step into a boat and says, put it out a little bit so I can teach the people, okay? Is everybody following? Yes? All right, so verse 4, it says, when he had stopped speaking, so everybody left, okay? He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Somebody say the net. Verse 6 says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Verse 7 says, so they signaled to their partners. Somebody say partners. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say partners. It says, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Then it says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now and you will catch men. Verse 11, last verse. So when they had brought their, their boats uh, to land, they forsook all and followed him. Pretty awesome portion of scripture. Listen, uh, wave your hand at me before if you've heard that, that portion of scripture before. Maybe you've read it. Come on, wave it big. Wave it big, wave it big. Well, all right. So anyway, sorry. Good deal. So anyways, so I figure most of you have, but I want to show you a few things this morning. So here's Peter. Uh, we know he had been fishing all night. And, and as he told Jesus, says, we haven't called a thing. Now, what that actually means in the Greek language, and I hope this kind of lands home for some of you guys. Actually, what that means in the Greek language is Peter was saying this. Jesus, we have been scraping bottom all night and we keep coming up empty. You feeling me? And then, and then it says... Uh, you know, not only have they been doing that, but he said this right before. He says, we have toiled all night long and called nothing. The word toil there in the Greek language means this. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but grab what you can. 
Toiled actually means this. It means that we are tired on the inside and the outside. You know, last night while I was praying and I was, and I was trying to kind of finish some things up, uh, man, it just hit me that, man, that's where a lot of you guys have been. That you, you have almost felt like in the spirit realm that you have been uh, scraping bottom and you keep coming up empty. Almost like you're, uh, the, the picture that I get, it's almost like you're on a treadmill but you're going nowhere. You got a lot of effort, you got a lot of energy in the thing, but nothing that, uh, that desires to satisfy is really happening for you. And it's really this, that man, you have done it so much that you, that you are tired on the inside and the outside. That it's almost like, I'm not just weary physically. Like he said this morning, he said after yesterday, he really just didn't want to get out of bed this morning. And I'm not necessarily talking about that, but I'm talking about down in the, in the inside, you just feel like, like you just don't, you just don't have it. You don't have to get up. You don't have to go. It's like, man, what, what's wrong? But here's what I think the Lord wants us to see today. One of the things is notice that Jesus uh, stepped back and he said, "Okay, you, you've you've toiled all night. I get it. You're tired on the inside and the outside. I understand that you keep scraping the bottom and you keep coming up with nothing. But here's what I'm going to ask you, Pete. I'm going to ask you: Can you launch back into the deep one more time? Can you give it another go? And what that actually means where he says, can you launch back into the deep? It actually means to throw oneself in with vigor, to plunge. In other words, it's an invitation to get out of the shallows and go to the deep. It's called, look, I, I, know, that, I know that you have, let me say it in the right way, that, uh, that maybe it hasn't worked in the past, but can you give it another go? Does that make sense? Yes? Let me maybe throw this out there. This is free. <laughs> is... You notice in the story, obviously we know the end of it. We'll get there in a second, but just a thought for you. Uh, notice he, let me stay on track. Here we go. We'll do that another day. All right, here we go. So, so Jesus asked him to launch back in the deep. He asked him to throw himself in with vigor. And, and obviously, as he, as he gave it one more shot, as he let down his nets one more time, what happened? So the time that Peter obeyed, instead of pulling up empty nets, his nets were completely full. And here's what I want you to see. That it was at that moment that Peter knew that he couldn't handle the catch that God had given him. At that moment, as he was, as his nets were pulling, uh, full, and he was pulling them in, and they were breaking. It was in that moment the revelation came that I cannot handle everything that God has given me. Are you following me? So what did Peter do? Look at verse seven. It says, "So they signal to their." Partners. So they, so here we go. So it's, it's Peter and Andrew, right? We know they were fishermen. So they signal to their partners. They signal to their koinonia. They signal to their community and the other boat to come and help them. In other words, Peter looked to his community for help. Now, when we talk about community today, we are not talking about the community of Rockport. We're not talking about the community of Rockland. We're not talking about the community of Camden. We're talking about the community of Celebration Life. Are you all following me? It's the community of believers that God has planted in this house. Now, listen, I am convinced, uh, like Peter, that God always gives us a call, a task, an assignment, a destiny, however you want to word it, uh, a boatload of fish, a boatload of souls, if you will, that we can never handle on our own. Meaning this, please get this, that even on our best day, I know you guys are amazing, but even on your best day, your own abilities, your own giftings, your own wisdom, your own strength, guys, you need to see that they are nothing more than breaking nets. Are you hearing me? Yes? No? That even on your best day, in your best efforts, we all know what it's like to have a crappy day, and we all know what it's like to have a really good day. We feel like we're just on it. 
But even those days where you feel like you're just owning, you're like, man, I'm in the zone. On those days, it's still living good enough. It's just breaking nets in comparison to what he's called you to do. Are y'all hearing me today? Listen, it, it doesn't matter if it is a church. It doesn't matter if it's an outreach ministry. It doesn't even matter if it's a marketplace style of ministry. It can even go this far. We'll, we'll say it this way. It doesn't matter if it's even you raising your kids or you trying to do your marriage the godly way. At the end of the day, you don't have what it takes without what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Are you with me? Listen, I believe, I believe that you and I were never created to handle it all. That, in other words, that God is looking, let me say this way, that God is looking at you as individuals and there's something that he desires to entrust to you. That you can't do it without him. So watch this. Here's, it happens for two reasons. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. All right? So I believe he gives us more for two reasons. Number one, I kind of already said it. It's so that we would have to depend on him. So that we would have to depend upon him. So listen, the Bible is full from Genesis to Revelation. You know, we, we, we would run out of time really quick. Of all the stories in the Bible of men and women of God that have found themselves in a position that they knew if God did not intervene, the destiny that he put before them wasn't going to happen. Are you hearing me? Yes? Give you an example. So, so in case there's anybody not following. You, you, you think Moses felt a little pressure when he stood at the Red Sea? He's got, and he's got a few million people that are trying to follow him, right? And, and then we know that the Egyptian army is behind him. And obviously there's Red Sea in front of them. That's a tough spot. It's at that moment that you realize that you must depend upon God. Are you following me? When, when, when Daniel was thrown to the lion's den, how many of you guys know that's a great time to depend on God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How about Deborah? How about Esther when she went before the king and knew she, was, she could easily get killed? The Bible is full of men and women that have found themselves in a the position of, God, I need you. So watch this. I'm going to be maybe a little blunt with you today. I know we're all still trying to get to know each other, but that's okay. If you were in this room today and you can do everything that you were trying to do for God, for God, in your own power, it's probably not from God. Are you hearing me? you understand what I'm saying? In other words, if you're looking at your daily life, and you go, you know what, Here, here's the reason I'm living. Here's the purpose I'm living. And then in that, there's something inside of you that doesn't make you fall on your face before God. And you go, God, I've got to have you or nothing. It's not going to happen. Then you're missing the boat somewhere. Y'all are getting quiet. All right, so the second reason he gives us a task bigger than us First one's what? So we have to depend upon Him. Second one's really easy. And so we'll depend upon each other. Our day and age, we don't really support that real well. Right? We have a whole generation that's coming up, and and they they want to be self-sufficient, but they're also entitled, and, and it's all messed up. But the bottom line is, listen, when you grab a hold of what God's called you to do, and what God's called us to do as a church, we can't help but to look around the room and go, you know what, I need you. Are you all following me? Open your Bible up if you can. Uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read a few verses. I don't think I gave you guys this verse. It's verse 14. You know, it would help if I go to 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians. 
Yep, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 through 21. Here we go. I finally got it. <laughs> Man, if we were like one of those, like, you know, things that they do with kids where they scream out the Scripture and they kids got to hurry up and whoever gets the first wins, I would have so lost. All right, here we go. Hallelujah. All right, here we go. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. It says this. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. It says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Get that, where he pleased. So let me go ahead and insert this at this moment. Um, that's why we don't look at people and get jealous about their giftings. Because we realize that when God made us, He didn't make a mistake. He designed us in the way He designed us uh, so we would fit in the body perfectly to be able to reflect Him. Amen? Alright, so verse 19 says, And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Verse 21, and here's the key part. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So here's simply what I want you to see in this moment, that you would be willing to look around the room and see people. Now, obviously, we know some people in here well enough to know their, their weaknesses and we know their strength. But it doesn't, in spite of all of that, you need to understand the body of Christ. You need one another. Amen? And, and just because you... Just because you um, don't always agree doesn't mean you're not in unity. Does that make sense, y'all? It's okay to have disagreements, but at the end of the day, it's when the culture of honor takes over and you know that you can honor who they are despite their weaknesses and still glean from the wisdom that God has given them that you're in a healthy place. Am I making sense, you guys? Yes, no. If I'm not, come talk to me afterwards. I'll send you to Miss Vicky. All right, here we go. So, I personally believe that when a person like Peter, okay, comes to the realization that he or she is in a desperate need, uh, or in desperate need of God's help, uh, basically for the call, the assignment they've been given, I think what happens in the Spirit is God begins to send out signals to the body of Christ that are in that region to draw people so they'll come and partner with those people. Am I making sense? Okay, that they'll literally come and they'll partner uh, with what God is doing with each other uh, so the task, so the destiny, so the assignment can be fulfilled. And, and that, that's really simple. That's how a community starts. So write this down if you're taking notes. Community happens when a group of people are driven to fulfill a common vision or a common purpose, and this is the key part, through a unity of effort. So what I want, you understand that, that as we move forward, it is very important that we operate in a unity of effort. Are you with me? So, li- listen, let me go ahead and throw this out. I-, I didn't know when I was going to say this today. But, but last week, um, obviously we had a missionary who came and spoke, and I thought he did an excellent job. I thought every one of us in here needed to hear what he had to say because we needed to wake up and realize the seriousness of the time that this thing is winding down, and we are called to, to be soul winners, and we are called to make disciples, every one of us. And I hope we didn't miss that message. But in that, obviously... Uh, you, you know, he, he spoke a prophetic word over Brian. That's the third time I've heard that prophetic word spoken over Brian. It was right on the money. And obviously he spoke to Ben. But I want everybody to know, and I hope you, I want everybody to have a little bit um, 
to open their eyes a little bit bigger and see the big picture, that didn't mean that we were in disunity when it came to the leadership team. In other words, it is Brian's heart, it's Ben's heart, it's my heart, it's Carmel's heart, it's Bill's heart. We are all together in unity, and we are moving forward, and we are trying our best to hear the voice of God and lead you guys. Amen? So understand at this moment that uh, God is desiring to do things, and the enemy would really like to come in and, and mess that up. We can't let him mess that up. We've got to be on our toes, we've got to pray, and we've got to speak in faith, and we've got to move forward. Amen? So, so you know, we want you guys to know as a church, this is a safe place. It's going to be a safe place. It is a safe place. And we're moving forward uh, following the Spirit and not just our own agendas. Okay? All right. So, anyway, so once again, community happens when a group of people are driven to fulfill a common vision or a common purpose through a unity of effort. And so today we need to remember that we are not called to be an audience, but we're called to be an army. Are you hearing me? That was a great place to say amen. And y'all do this. We are not called to be an audience. We're not called to sit back and just kind of watch and spectate from the sidelines and go, okay, God, what are you going to do? Do something. Do it. I'll watch. You know, God's looking for people that will get in the game. You, you with me? There's a, there's a thing that we said all the time in North Carolina. It's, it's basically been this. It's being all in. You know, that, that, when, we, that when we get into service, that we, when we get in prayer, when we get into worship, we go for broke. Do you understand what that means? Yes, no? It means basically for you guys that love sports, uh, you leave everything on the field. You give it your all. So every time we come to worship, you know, it's this. We don't just go, all right, well, they sang that song before. All right, whatever. Well, last time I checked, worship wasn't really about you. you. Listen, listen, listen. In heaven, they've been singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for a pretty long time. Okay? I think God can hear another song again, okay? Yes? So in that moment, guess what? It doesn't matter if we heard this song a hundred times. Go for God. Worship Him. You, you know, I, lo- I love the, the, the song that Regina was singing there, the third one. Uh, bottom line, man, we've been saved. It, listen, I, I didn't grow up in this thing, okay? So when, when, I get, when I get in church, you know, there's times when we start singing songs, I start remembering what He delivered me out of. You know, and, and I, how can I not worship him in those moments? How can I not give him my best? Amen. So listen, when we pray, we go for it. When we go to church, we go for it. If, listen, guys, if we, if we partner together and we go for it, God's going to move. He's going to move. We have too many promises in the Word. Right? So, listen, I, you know, basically, taking all these rabbit trails, that's what preachers do. Um, I'm just convinced that God's giving us... That God, that God, let me say, that God desires to give us a call that's bigger than us. And, and it's really important that we respond in the right way. And, it, and it's really important that, that we understand that Christianity is not just about uh, going to a church building once a week. And we've got to understand that it's not about just hearing a, a preacher talk to us. And it's not just about uh, some people singing some songs and, and saying some prayers. It's not even about some magical list of do's and don'ts. I mean, Christianity is about really what we're talking about. It's about knowing God, walking with Him. I love the verse, uh, John seventeen three. Was eternal life is to know Him who sent me. It's to know God. It's to walk with God. And out of our relationship with Him, guess what? We get to partner with other people that have a relationship with Him. And we get to go do some pretty awesome things. Remember, we do have a promise. Listen, He didn't lie when He said you would do greater things. Are you all with me? That, that's, that's not for a church on the West Coast. 
That's not for some church upstairs. That's for us. It's to every person that calls himself a son or daughter of God. Great place to say amen. So, catch up. All right. So, anyway, so I want everybody to know today that you're here for a purpose. And, and please get this picture. The, the, the purpose or the reason that you say, you know what, I call that place home, is because God desires to make you part of the net that's going to be thrown out over the mid-coast region of Maine to get a great catch. And so you and I have a choice today. Will we be a part of that net or will we be a hole in it that causes people to slip through it? Listen, there's, there's plenty of stuff in the Bible where we understand from God. Even Jesus said, occupy, work till I come. You know, there's work, there's co-laboring, there's responsibility that every believer must take. It doesn't just sit on the guy that, that's the pastor of the church. It is the whole body. Right? Amen? So listen, I, I personally believe uh, that God wants to bring an influx, okay? So let, let me maybe say it to you this way. He wants to bring an influx of people. So let's just get real practical for a minute. You'll, you'll find out that I'm very process-oriented. We've got to get somewhere, okay? We've got, we got, we got places to go. All right, we've got things to do for the kingdom. But let me paint a picture for you really quick, okay? If, if God brought in 400 more people, and we have, watch this, and we have 80 kids in that, 80 children, how long do you think those people are going to stay in this church? They'll give us one shot. I've been at this too long. Too long. Watch this. If they come in the door and they're not greeted with the love of God, how long do you think they're going to stay? Not long. Are are y'all hearing me? If if we say, you know what, uh, we want to be. In in fact, let me just throw it out, throw it out there at you. Celebration life, family, church. But we are a church right now. Being real honest, do we have anything for the family? We got a cookout once a year. Are you with me? We have responsibility in the kingdom to go. You know what? We're sit- listen. I, you know, whatever. The past is the past. But we are we're not sitting beside an elementary school and a high school for no reason. Okay. It, l- listen. I even went the other day because I've just kind of been making my rounds in the four weeks, just kind of doing what I do. And uh, and I met another pastor the other day that's from Rockland. And it's crazy. Every pastor I've met so far, and I've only met a handful of them, they said, we've been praying for you. We've been praying for your church. And this guy said this. He basically, in a roundabout way, the, the right words, I, I can't remember them, but in essence what he said was this. There was a young guy. He said, there is no doubt that God has called your church basically to be the catalyst for this region. Now, now, now listen, listen, listen. The day of hearing must give away to the day of doing. There has to come a time where we go, you know what? I, too, am going to quit watching everybody grab a hold of the plow and go. i got to grab a hold of the plow, too, and i got to get to work. In other words, God hasn't gifted you things to sit on your blessed assurance. Amen? True? Well, y'all don't hear me. All right, anyways. <laughs> so, the bottom line is, is listen... We, we have to get a children's ministry rolling. We've got to get a youth ministry rolling. It, listen, as we partner with people that are in the marketplace ministry, and, and they lead someone to Jesus at their work, if they lead someone to Jesus uh, through, through, through whatever that they do, um, you know, and if they bring them here, what are we offering those people? 
How are we going to counsel people? How are we going to restore marriages? How are we going to... Are you following me? Who, who do we have to even pray for? we got some work to do. So I hope that nobody is here and going, well, I'm just... I'm, Pastor, I'm just glad I'm here. <laughs> Hallelujah. You go ahead and sing that song. It's all right. It, so, anyways, all right. So let me let me um, let me share a quote with you that I shared with the worship team the other night. There, there's a there's an old revivalist. I, I remember when when we were at our business meeting, you said, "Hey, who have you, who have you read?" Uh, there's a guy named Evan Roberts that was pretty much the catalyst for the Welsh revival. Uh, lift your hand if you know what the Welsh revival is. All right. You will know now. Here we go. All right. So, all right, anybody ever heard the Island of Wells? What do they teach you guys here? So, all right. So, okay, watch this. Has anybody ever heard of England? It's part of the British Isles. It's a land called Wells, okay? You got, you got Scotland? No, 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 no. <laughs> you should know of all people, the Scottish men over there. All right, so anyway, so on the island of Wells, okay, obviously, listen, they even have their own. Anyways, whatever. All right. Watch the Olympics. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> whatever. So, all right, so the, the, the uh, island of Wells, basically there was a young guy. He was uh, probably in his early 20s named Evan Roberts. And uh, he was a coal miner that was really big there. And so basically he just felt such a burden for the loss. And so every day he would go to work, okay, and he would basically down the shaft of the mines, he would preach the gospel. And he would just release it, right? And the and, and same thing he would do. He kept going to his pastor and he'd go, Pastor, can I preach? Come on, Pastor, let me preach this Sunday. And the pastor kept saying, Nope, you're not ready. You can't preach. And so he'd go and he'd keep shouting down the things and he'd come back to his pastor. Pastor, let me preach. Nope, you can't preach. Happened again and again and again. And finally one day his pastor said, you know what? You can preach. That Sunday Evan Roberts preached and revival broke out over the whole nation. Now, now, now to give you an idea, just for history lessons, lessons, God's glory fell on that nation in such a way, just in a simple example, that the cops were called one time in three years. And the only time they were called, they were called to get a cat out of a tree. Because watch this, because every bar and every place that was not of God's business shut down because everybody was in church. That literally, watch this, that people would go uh, to the church house and they would try to get there early so they'd get in. And, and literally, they would go all across the, the, the nation going to church because they didn't know where Evan Roberts was going to be that day. Really, you know, anyways, it was about God, but they kind of started following the man a little bit. Anyways, but people, but people would uh, literally uh, get outside the windows and they would listen in. They would lift the windows open. And one of the, you know, just once again, hopes to hear him. And uh, the crazy part about this is for you worshipers in here, they would literally sing songs. And I got to get used to you people around here. That's just weird. All right. So, so there's the island of Wells and uh, or the nation of Wells. All right, did y'all go to church or, or geography class? All right, here we go. All right, so, so watch this. So, so people would literally come to church, and, and they would uh, literally begin to sing songs, and no one ever wrote the song, 
They just were singing in the Spirit, and they were all singing verse by verse by verse in three-part harmony, and they never had a practice or anything. Just it was so led by the Spirit of God. There's story after story. I remember one that a, that a husband was so mad that his wife was going to church. She was so angry with him, uh, you know, angry with her. Why, why do you keep going there? You know, you need to be home cooking. You need to be da 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 And so one day he decided, because uh, she kind of snuck out, went to church, and he came home and she wasn't there, so he decided he was going to go to the church and he was going to drag her out of the church. Well, he came in and the Spirit hit him, and he literally stood up and walked on the top of the pews all the way down to the altar, and he repented and got born again. You follow me? That happened again and again and again. Okay, all right, so watch this. So, here's the quote I want to tell you, okay, and how I want you guys to see us going forward. Um, Evan Roberts, this is a quote by him, that, that he spoke on the uselessness of praying for the fire of heaven to fall when the altar was unbuilt and the sacrifice unprepared. You hear me? That the uselessness, in other words, it was pointless to pray for the fire of heaven to come and fall into place when we haven't done our part. We haven't built the altar. We haven't prepared the sacrifice. What I'm telling you guys is that God wants to bring people, but we've got to prepare the sacrifice. We've got to build the altar. We've got to make room, the wineskin, for Him to come. Are you all following me? All right. Hallelujah. Let me share two verses with you and we'll shut her down. All right. Let me show you uh, two promise or a promise we have here from God. It's a promise that when we do his, uh, our part, He'll do His. It's in Ephesians four sixteen. Says this. Here we go. I was making sure Wells wasn't behind me still. All right. Watch this. It says, "From whom the whole body." Somebody say, "Whole body." Turn to your neighbor and say, "That includes you." From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. For some of you that came out of the place I I came out of, it's not talking about that kind of joint. All right? All right. So people are thinking, dear God, what do we do? All right, here we go. Let me show you this other verse real fast. All right, here we go. Let me show you this other verse in Ephesians. That's right. Watch this verse right here. We all know it. It says, And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Watch this. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the equipping of the of the saints. Look at what that means. And here's why I'm saying it, because I said that stupid statement about a joint. Um, the word equipping there, actually in the Greek language, the word picture it gives is that literally that when there's people that are in the body of Christ that don't know their part, literally that it's a pastor's role, a pastor's responsibility, or a fivefold ministry to come and work with that person, and they take that joint and they pop it back in place so they can be of use again. Are you following me? So, so listen, so if we are not, if we are not basically got our hand to the plow in some way, then we are out of joint. Are you following me? I, I, I've had this arm dislocated 14 times, the shoulder. Okay? I want you to know it hinders things greatly. One time I had it out for two hours. They couldn't get it back in. Okay? So, listen, at that, in that two hours, I was bowed over and I was hindered. I could not do anything of significance. 
And so if we are a body that's out of joint, we will never be able to do anything of significance in the kingdom. Are you hearing me today? So when it says that every joint supplies, it's talking about every one of them that's in place, in the rightful place, and, and you, you follow me. In other words, they know what they're supposed to do. Watch this. So it says, what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which, how many parts? All right, look, it's right. Oh, you took it away. Put it back up. And I'm getting upset with the people, and it ain't even there. Throw it back up. Ephesians 4.16. You're doing a great job. All right, here we go. All right. Now you know what I expect. All right, here we go. So it says, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which what? Every part does its share. Now look what happens when everybody gets on board and everybody understands they're a part of the net. It causes growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. Can't get more clear than that, can it? So when you decide to make yourself available, you put yourself, you position yourself to be used by God. Last verse, and and we'll land this thing. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Powerful portion of Scripture. says this. I'm actually reading the New Living Translation, so I didn't tell them that. It'll be a little different. But it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. What's fellowship? It's koinonia. They committed themselves to a community, to partnership. Watch this. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I do want to state right here, that's not just for the apostles. Stating a history fact there, but it's for all of us. Right? The same Spirit lives in every one of us, and God desires to, desires to move through each of us. So... Notice what happened, though, when they got involved in community. Signs and wonders came. Verse 44 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Verse 45, They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. That's simply talking about this, because when those people accepted Jesus, they literally lost everything. And so they were kind of helping them recover. Okay, so there's historical facts there. Verse 46 says, They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Notice this last part. That's why I read all the rest. It says, And each day, each day, each day. Notice churches open one day a week, right? So each day. So that means who's it happening for? Each day the Lord added to their fellowship, to their community, to their koinonia, to the partnership, those who were being saved. But how could He do that? Because the net was in place. Are you following me today? Yes? Some of y'all look like y'all still trying to figure me out. It's all right. From Alabama. So let's do this real quick. Let's close our eyes. Kim, if you can come.